want to make a statement and I want you to think about whether you agree or disagree with the statement. The greatest happiness costs someone something. The greatest happiness costs someone something. A very fitting birthday gift that's given by someone who thinks of the other person that's going to receive the gift and what would be just perfectly fitting and appropriate. That comes at a sacrifice and a cost to the giver. A huge accomplishment and celebration always has a cost, right? You work hard at something, the celebration is so much sweeter than if something was just kind of handed to you. A sacrificial act of love to benefit another is costly. But what an impact it makes on the heart of the other person. Do you agree with the statement, the greatest happiness costs someone something? Well, we're going to talk this morning about really the greatest gift, the greatest sacrifice that was ever given, that God would give his only son that we could have life and forgiveness And we're going to talk about the beauty of confession, the beauty of experiencing, literally living in the forgiveness of God and what that's like. To experience day by day, even in your hardest days, to know that truth is the foundation to everything else that you do and say and think. It's such a beautiful thing when we finally understand the blessing of being forgiven, the the beauty of confession. So that's where we're going to go. And I want you to turn to Psalm 32, and we're going to look at King David and In this psalm, he's incredibly raw, he's incredibly real, he's thinking back. Most commentators believe on a horrible choice and sin in his life, the sin of adultery with Bathsheba. He's broken about it, he understands the pain of it, he's calling out to God in the midst of it. And really, if we're honest, we can all relate in some way. Maybe not to that particular sin, or maybe, but to any number of things. And so it's incredible that how much he talks about the blessing and the happiness that even in your hardest moments that you can have the freedom, the grace, the mercy of God to continue to fill your heart with his love and with his joy. So let's look at Psalm 32. It's just some, really just a couple basic truths. Psalm 32, verse 1, King David sharing out of his pain, but also out of his awareness of truth. And out of his blessing, Psalm 32, verse 1, This is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me, my strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I, cover, I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. What a wonderful feeling it is to be forgiven. Have you experienced that? To cry out to a holy God who says, be holy as I'm holy, and you're not, and you know it, and you, you know enough about his commands. You know, I've broken them, and I've broken God's law, and now I'm guilty before this holy God because I'm unholy. But to know as I place my faith in Christ, like he says here in his book, cover to cover, there's hope in Christ. There's forgiveness in him. The beauty of having that knowledge deep in your soul, that God does not hold your iniquity against you, is huge. 
the blessedness, the word you know, translated really happiness, the, the happiness that the soul and the human heart can have, knowing that that's the kind of God that would receive us if we come to him from our heart. It's huge. But why don't we always feel that? Why does that seem like such a transient emotion or feeling in our heart? Why isn't that our constant experience? Well, because we get weighed down by our sin nature. We forget what to do when we stumble into sin. We start, in the weirdest way, moving away from God and not to Him. And God says, when we return to Him, there's blessing, there's forgiveness, there's no iniquity that's held against us. But what kind of sin are we talking about? You know, it's sometimes helpful to be kind of specific so that we don't just generally brush sin off because we would think if we generally brush sin off and maybe generally appease God, just generally move on, we kind of generally don't do real well. When we get specific, when someone's apologizing to you, you don't want to hear just like, oh yeah, like, sorry about the thing. Like, wait, you want to go out to lunch now? No, you want, like, no, what do you mean? Sorry about what? What? Name it, right? And so that's very healthy in a relationship with God to go, all right, it's kind of like be holy as I am holy. Uh, I wasn't today or yesterday or this week or my life. <laughs> and you go, okay, I need to say I'm sorry because I've not met your standard. To love others sacrificially. I kind of love myself. I don't know if I love others like sacrificially and put them first or to honor them above myself. To be kind and compassionate. To be sexually pure in actions and in thought. To forgive as I've been forgiven. To honor others, honor others above myself. To help the poor and the oppressed, not ignore them. To not lie or steal or judge others. To be merciful, not hating. To give God the first fruits of my income, not the leftovers. To not use God's name in vain or speak coarsely to others. To not get drunk. To choose entertainment that honors God. To live as a servant. To not be anxious, fretful, and fearful, but to trust God. To turn away from substance abuse and to turn to God. Summed all up to love God and love others with a whole heart. That's not an easy list to read. And there's many others. Things that God calls us to do or things he says stay away from. And we, we kind of fall into it or we fall out of those good things. But the reason I read those is because sometimes we have a way of deceiving ourselves that we're actually doing much better than we, we really are. So if that convicted you, if there were a couple that jumped out and you started feeling angry toward me or God, that's okay. <laughs> as long as it got your attention. As long as there's something on the screen now. And you can go, yeah, that, that kind of described me. I'm not real compassionate. I don't really care about the poor and the oppressed. They got there, it's their fault. And I don't give them much. Okay, or I do lie and cheat, or I am lustful, or I, am, I have done this, and that is, when we finally get there and we're honest, like David is honest, he's not coloring it differently. He's saying black and white, in black and white terms, this was an offense to God, this transgressed his law, I'm wrong before a holy God. And I'm sorry, God, before you. Oftentimes we... We take the easy way out. You know, we start feeling those convictions and then we, we feel bad and 
for whatever reason, we turn to more sin. We, we got to grab a quick pleasure because I don't like feeling bad. I don't like feeling down. The world keeps telling me I got to be feeling up. I got to do something to feel up and feel better and feel good and feel happy and, and change my reality right now. My reality is I don't like feeling that. And so we, we so often go down that road that we actually start judging God. We choose something fleshly in our minds or our words or our actions, something earthly and not heavenly, not godly. But there's a problem because our original sin that offends God now is multiplying. And we're heading down a road that will lead to more trouble, more regret, more hurt, and not only for ourselves, but for our relationships. So at some point when the Lord just goes like, you turn, there's the sign, like you turn, turn back to me. Turn back to me with a whole heart. Come real, come raw, be honest. From your guts, pour it out. Be the real you that you are right now. Come as you are right now. That's scary for us, isn't it? We think if we're that raw and real before God with the real me right now, he would reject me, he would lash me, he would give me, read me the riot act. Because unfortunately, sometimes others do that to us. But they're not God. God and his characters are way different than you and me and others. He will always receive us back to himself. He will always help us get on the right road and off the wrong road. He will always give grace and mercy and forgiveness. He's a compassionate God. His love is steadfast. It is unchanging. It is limitless. Through Christ, Christ took the transgressions and he took the sin, yours and mine. He took our waywardness. He took our wrongs. He took the ugliness, the darkness. He, he took it on himself. I don't get how that actually works. Do you? Can you really explain that other than that's the clear teaching of the Bible? And Jesus joyfully and willingly went to the cross so you could be reconciled back to the Father, not to condemn you and beat you up and make you feel worse, actually to free you and rescue you. Has that hit you yet? Has that hit your heart yet? That that's actually what he did and why he came. Then you'd understand what David was longing for. He was longing for that freedom and that forgiveness because Everything else was getting so hard and so heavy. In fact, he describes it in these verses. He goes, my bones are wasting away. I groan all day long. Have you ever been there? Your own sin, your own choices, the sin and hurts of others. It's just, it's making your body groan. It's like you feel it in your bones. Scientists have told us our sin, our depression, our sadness, all those things, they hurt our bodies, our physical bodies, not even just our emotions and our spiritual walk with God. It, it hurts our bodies. Our bodies get to a point of groaning and wasting away. I, I would hate that for any one of us that our bodies get to that place where now we're paying for it because the release and the road to forgiveness is so clear and actually very simple. He also describes his heart getting heavy. He goes, he's His hand was upon me and it was heavy. His strength was being dried up. Just feels like anxiety to me. It's just like he just put, could write anxiety over all those words. Fear, anxiety, just troubled. The heat of the summer. Any of you hit like 105 on your car driving around? Last couple of days, I mean, the heat of summer dries things up. If you're out very long, you better have tons of water. You better stay out of the sun. It'll dry you up. That's what his 
was going on emotionally and spiritually and physically. There was this heaviness in his heart. He was wasting away even physically. He was feeling dried up spiritually. It's like being out in the sun at 105. Someone told me Simi had like 108 or 110. We noticed that in Westlake as we were driving out to the beach. It's just like, God doesn't want you to live and shrivel. He doesn't want you to live in that. When you're sensing that, it's time to turn. It's like, go to the living water. It's time. It's, it's, it's been way past time, in fact. You're so thirsty. You're so dry. You're so brittle. The bones are wasting away. Your heart is heavy. Your strength isn't there. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you what? He didn't say, I'm going to read you the ride act on your sin and how horrible you are. He said, I'll give you rest. I just want you to turn back to me and lead with your heart. I want you to mean it from your heart. Just say, I'm tired of being wasting away in my body, wasting away in my heart. My heart is heavy. I'm drying up spiritually. I'm drying up emotionally. I'm taking it out on other people. And in the midst of it, Lord, I'm starting to judge you. And I'm starting to think you're mean. And this is your fault. And you're unfair. Do you ever get there? And it's just like, I got to like turn back to you, God. I'm not only not turning to you, I'm turning to myself and I'm drying up and it's getting worse and more brittle and more angry and more. And now I'm going to go ahead and just give all that junk to you and now start judging you. Just instead of judging, just turn to him and give him all of that and say, Lord, I need help. I need your grace and forgiveness. Please forgive my transgression. Do not hold my iniquity against me. I don't want to live in, de- in deceit. And there's a picture, I think, that shows what that feels like, right, for the guy who, (laughs) it's like you feel like you're constantly marching uphill. That's a desert-like area, right? Where's the life? Where's the water? It's 105, and you got this load on you. And that's like an ugly picture. I'm like, oh, that just tires me out looking at it. Do you realize at times with our own sin, that's us? It feels uphill. It's hot. It's so heavy. We can't even see the top. We don't even know how we're going to. And at times, we just pile more on. We reach for more sin, to, for the quick fix, the quick pleasure, the quick. I'm just not going to feel that for a second. And it doesn't work, and it doesn't fulfill, and it doesn't last. And then we've just piled more on. You just put the backpack down, and you turn to God. And you let him know what he already knows, but you state it from your heart to him. Otherwise, you'll deceive yourself. You'll continue to deceive yourself. I'll continue to deceive myself. Hebrews 3.13 tells us what we need to do. Exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. If we're not honest about our sin, it starts to trick us. We actually deceive ourselves and think, oh, well, we'll be fine. I actually like backpacks. Why, don't you? I could carry a lot. Can't you? And you go like, wait, wait, wait. I'm totally seeing it backwards. I got sin. I got issues. I got stuff. I'm hurting people all over the place. I'm feeling distance from God. And I'm actually starting to judge him and be critical of him. And what seems like he's trying to steal something from me. see, boy, he's demanding to be holy as I'm holy. Who does he think he is? <laughs> right? And we actually, we literally swap it with truth. And we start believing the lie and thinking it's true. And challenging God that his truth is actually a lie and it, don't, it won't work. It's not the way. It's not the way of blessing and happiness. And David's saying, oh, it surely is. Just look at your life without him, without feeling forgiven and free. But we need to encourage one another or the sin 
in our lives undealt with will harden and keep hardening our heart. But he says we can always turn back. There's always a redo. Hit the redo button. There's always a U-turn. There's always an opportunity to turn back to God. Always. And there always will be because that's the kind of God he is because he's faithful. Even when we're not, he remains faithful, right? Amen to that. He remains faithful. You and I aren't faithful. We need to grow in that. We need to want that. But the way to become more faithful is to turn back to his faithfulness. You know the story that Jesus told about the prodigal son, right? Who wandered off in the desert in, in total just a lifestyle of sin, and he turns back to the father who welcomed him back, who gave him the huge hug and, and the kisses and the new robe and the new ring and the new sandals and the, the feast and said, my son who was lost is now found. But what happens when you're the son who's come back and then you leave again? Have you been there? You came back. He forgave you. You know it. You had the party. Your name was on the banner. You were welcomed home. You were forgiven. You were made right before the Heavenly Father through the blood of Christ. But you just wandered off again. Went back to some of the, some of the same sin or other sin. What does he say now? No, nope, it's too late now. No, he doesn't say that, does he? Ever. And never will. He welcomes you back. Because every single time we wander into sin, it breaks God's heart because he knows it will destroy areas of our life. It's not a winning proposition ever to turn to sin, even when we're so convinced we deserve it or need or God doesn't get it. He does. He created us. He knows the pressures of the world. He knows how you're tempted. He knows your weakness of your flesh. And he just says, stay on my road. Keep going. Keep trusting me. You stumbled. Come back. You're forgiven. Let's keep going. Yeah, but I stumbled like this last week. I stumbled like this last year. I, man, I, I've been so far from God now. It's just like, how could he ever want me back? How could he ever really forgive me and reinstate me? Well, that's just the way he is. God loves you because he loves you because he loves you, period. And he always will because you're his, because you placed your faith in Christ, because you're in relationship with him. He always wants you to turn back with a whole heart because unconfessed sin damages your heart. That's one of the points I want to make just super clear. It damages your heart. It, it never will help your heart to hide, cover up, deny. Your heart will get harder. You'll deceive yourself. The deceitfulness of sin will keep hardening you in areas and in relationships. And it's a, it's a lose-lose all the time. But whenever you turn, you start to win in Christ. You win in receiving his blessing and his joy and his freedom. Because there's always grace. There's always mercy. There's always forgiveness. In the name of the Lord. The wise person, and I hope we're wise this morning, unburdens his heart of sin daily. To do otherwise damages ourself and our walk with God. But it doesn't change his love. He just has a much, much better way for you to walk with him. And it's by having a cleansed heart. And that's kind of the second point is... Confession of sin cleanses my heart. If unconfessed sin damages my heart, we see from David that confession of sin cleanses your heart. It frees your heart. It fills your heart with the love and the grace and the mercy of God. In verse 5, he says, I acknowledge my sin to you, confess my transgressions, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. The record's been wiped clean. But I, I had to go and say, I know I have a record. I'm wrong. 
This is wrong before you, God. My life has had a lot of wrongs before you, God, this day, this week, recently, maybe your whole life. You just go, I'm acknowledging my sin to you. I want to confess those transgressions because, God, you're here to forgive. You're a God of forgiveness, not a God of condemnation. You will judge sin, but your Bible says that Jesus took my judgment, paid in full. I need that. I want that, and I need it again afresh right now. I've been wandering. I was the prodigal. I came home. I was reinstated. I took your robe. I took your sandals. I took your ring, and I went back, and I went out away from you again. And he says, come back. You're welcome into my love again. Now, we know in the early part of Genesis, when Adam and Eve didn't believe God, they were created in his very image. They were put in a, perf in a perfect setting. They had all the love and attention of God. They walked with him in the cool of the day. I mean, it was awesome. It was paradise. And we're going to receive that again. And then some with the new heaven and the new earth. That's coming, you guys. But sin has entered the world through our ancestors, through Adam and Eve, through their choice. They were lied, by, lied to by the enemy, told God is withholding something from you. He isn't good. Why would he not want you to have this knowledge of good and evil, that tree? You should just do that. What? Right? So he's lying to them. They bought the lie, fell into sin. We inherit that sin nature. What did God do? He understood they were now hiding from him. You remember he, he was saying, where are you? He knew where they were. He just wants them. They were hiding from God because there was shame and guilt and conviction of sin. And God sacrificed an animal. Remember, the greatest happiness costs someone something. It costs the blood of that animal. And covered them with that animal skin so that their shame and guilt would be covered. And that was a foreshadowing of the fact that Christ would have to give his life and his blood to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Jesus did that for us. We read that in Colossians 3, 2, right? That we're hid in Christ. We're hid in his righteousness. But that's the way it always was, is God hides us in his forgiveness. He hides us and takes the guilt and shame away. He clothes us, and now he clothes us in the forgiveness of Christ. In fact, we know that so clearly. One of the greatest verses on his forgiveness is 1 John 1, 8 and 9, which says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth isn't in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to do what? What's he going to do? Always. He always will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Our sin in toto, past, present, future, when we stumble into sin and feel far from God, this is how we come back close. It's like in any relationship, right, you guys? Like any relationship. Oh, we don't see eye to eye. Oh, we had an argument. Oh, yeah. And they're distancing, distancing, distancing. Well, no, we still love each other. We both know that. We're just not getting along right now. How do you fix that? You have to go to the person. You have to open your heart. And if you've done something wrong, you bring that to them. God says, if we confess our sins, he'll be faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's where the happiness comes. That's where the joy of being right with God comes. That's where the reinstatement of your walk with him, you start feeling close to God again instead of wasting away in your bones, groaning all day long, feeling the heat of summer, the heat of the circumstances, just shriveling up your heart and hurting your relationships. God wants none of that for you. He wants to free you and forgive you and cleanse you and fill you with his living water. And now you're not parched and you're, you're not like so thirsty for something of God. You're actually receiving from him. And that's what David experienced. It's the cleansing, the new start with God, that complete forgiveness. 
Confession is a beautiful thing because of what it brings. Confession is always the right thing to do, and it's a beautiful thing because of what it brings. It brings release and forgiveness and intimacy with God again. So if you're not experiencing that, go to him again. And every time you're not experiencing that, go to him again. He's never tired. Do you understand that God always wants to be in relationship with you? We feel the guilt, we distance, we maybe doubt God or judge God or this and that, and we get caught and we go after more sin to try to cover up the sin. That's all us. That's not God, right? Can we all see that? That's not who he is. That's who we are. But he knows that. He's just giving us clear teaching. This is how you keep coming back to me. Just confess what gets in the way and get it out of the way. Let me get it out of the way for you. Let me take the burden. Dump the backpack. Dump that sin. Get rid of that. Just tell me what it is. Let's talk about it. And then we can walk in that freedom. And he continues saying, just be that person that's prayerful. Just keeps talking to him. That's what prayer is all about. Verse 6, Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Those are words of very intimate love and relationship, aren't they? David's dealing with the hard reality of his choices before God. But the hard reality and the wonderful, not the hard reality, the wonderful reality is, but in an instant he could be forgiven and cleansed and now walk having the protection of God from the raging waters of guilt or confusion. Feeling like, you ever feel that? Like they're rising up around your neck again? Like, wow, I just, I got to get past all that. That's by coming and confessing to the Lord. He delivers us from trouble with shots of victory. I love that image. You know, when there's something that's happening in our life and God forgives and he rescues us, like people shout when people were being rescued in Houston. I mean, there was, there was joy. These people were safe. They're going to get to solid ground. They, you know, they, yeah, they had lost a lot and, and they might not even know the full measure of it, but they said, but we have each other. You know, that there's, there's still hope and there's those, like there's a victory there. Those, those guys running those, heli- flying those helicopters and how, how many thousands of rescues? God just wants to keep rescuing us when the waters get so unbearable. And he wants, like, when we start getting wet with our sin or whatever, right then. But at any point, we recognize we got to reach up and ask God. He delivers us with shouts of victory. He teaches us the way we should go. You know, that scripture says the Holy Spirit will whisper in your ear, this is the way, walk ye in it. Walk in this way. The Holy Spirit will remind you, according to the teaching of God's word, and what Jesus taught, right? How to walk. Walk in the way of forgiveness now. I know it hurt, but now walk in the way of forgiveness because that is the right path. That will bring freedom to your heart. If you choose hatred, resentment, whatever else, that's the wrong way. The right way, walk in that forgiveness that Christ has given you. He'll teach you in the way you should go. He'll counsel you with his eye upon you. Are you counsel, 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 I, I don't even think I can make up that word. Are, yeah, counselable? That's not a real word, right? I don't think so. Okay, but I'm going to use it anyway because it's really fun. Are you counselable? <laughs> Are you someone who can hear from God, even if it's hard, 
you know, in this area, you need to just give that to me and you know, ask me to forgive you, and I will. There's new days on the other side of this, but you need to do it. There's new and good stuff coming, but you do need to do it. You need to trust me in faith. You do need to do it. Or are you stubborn? Look at this verse. Actually, the, the last couple of verses in this psalm, verse 9, Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. So there's a contrast. The upright in heart, the ones that celebrate, the ones that have the freedom, they know their heart's been cleansed and set free. They get all that. Or you're the stubborn mule. It's a really interesting metaphor or analogy. Here's a picture. Can you relate? <laughs> Let's just say God's the guy on the end of the rope and that's you and me, the beast. <laughs> that donkey ain't going nowhere. I don't care how strong that guy is. He doesn't even have to dig his heels in. He just has to not get up. <laughs> his hooves don't even matter at this point. He's like, you're going to lift a 400 pound with that little rope? Good try. Why is it that at times we're like that with God? We want to fight his way. We want to say, no, this will work. Or no, I, I deserve, I have a right to feel these things. And I will feel these things, by golly. And I'll let him know I feel these things. And instead, it's like I've been hurt and I've caused my own hurt. And I've done something. God, before you, please forgive me. And you actually get up in faith. You get up and you walk and you realize the one, because God won't yank your, right? He's not going to yank your head. He's going to whisper in your ear through the Holy Spirit, through maybe a message like this, through your time in God's word, through a loving friend who knows Jesus. And you're going to hear truth and you're just going to have to choose. And I have to choose this the same way. I got to choose not to be stubborn right now. I don't want to be the mule, God. I need to let you guide me. A well-trained horse may have a bridle. They don't even need the bit because all they need is the reins to be laid on one side of the neck or the other and the horse will turn, right? A powerful, awesome horse, well-trained, just needs a little bit of this. And actually just a little touch, a little squeeze. Well-trained horses, a little... Any of you like equestrian folks? It doesn't take much for a well-trained horse. And the Lord wants us to be able to be led gently because he loves us. So you, there's one other one. And when we do that, we can be the glad one who rejoices, okay? <laughs> I mean, you got to rejoice when God cleanses your heart and you know it. Do you know what kind of freedom? That's like that kind of freedom, <laughs> okay? That kind of bad teeth right there. You see it. Like that should be us. We should be able to rejoice and be glad. But do you realize it costs something at times? Right? When there's sin, it costs for the forgiveness and the grace. It costs you something. It costs your humility. Okay, you can take that down. Thank you. Because you won't hear anything else I say when you're staring at his bad dental work. So be carefully saying, don't be like the horse and the mule that need to be curbed by bit and bridle. Let me easily guide you. Be glad. Rejoice. Experience forgiveness and freedom. Don't let the enemy lie to you or anyone else or yourself. Don't deceive yourself. Unconfessed sin will always damage your heart, but confessed sin 
will cleanse your heart. And then just stay in prayerful relationship with the Lord. And that's how I'd sum up today, right? Blessed is the forgiven person and blessed is the prayerful person. Just keep taking your needs and your praise and your worship to God. Just do it on a daily basis. And as you're doing that, you're going to go like, oh yeah, I'm still really ticked off with that person. And then you got to bring that to God. And I don't want to give it up. Okay, bring it to God. And now I'm really, 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 bring it to God. What's he going to do with it? He'll bring forgiveness and grace. And he'll whisper in your ear what you should do and the road you need to now walk in with that person, with that situation, or with that sin that you have chosen. Blessed is the forgiven person. Blessed is the prayerful person. Walk in it because it's provided by a loving God. He wants you to have nothing less than his blessing, his happiness in Christ, and to have less and less sin to have to deal with that destroys you or relationships in your life. And why wouldn't we? Let's embrace the Lord. The teaching's clear. I think it's simple enough for every one of us sitting here. We just need to act now with a humble heart and then experience all that God has for us. So we're going to have a time of prayer. Jason's going to come up. We're going to sing a song together. We're going to have an offering. Uh, all that is worship to the Lord, but just encourage you now to open your heart to him. The prayer team's going to be up here too. So, you know, definitely be pouring out your heart to God. But if you need to come pray with the prayer team for the last couple of minutes of service or even after the service, feel free. They would love to lift up any burden, anxiety, fear, hurt, heaviness that you have and believe with God with you that he can make that change in your own heart. So let's have a prayer now. If you're sitting here today and you don't know if you know God, just reach out to him from your heart right now. Say, God, would you do the very thing I heard about today? Would you forgive me of my transgressions, my breaking of your law and your ways? I am wrong, God. I have lied. I have cheated. I have been an adulterer. I have not given love or compassion. I have held a grudge. I have whatever it is. God, I'm guilty. But you said I just bring my sin-stained heart and life to you, and you will completely forgive me and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I want your cleansing, God. Jesus, thank you that you provided it for me. I want it, God. I need it in my life. I need a new heart. I want to be your child and walk with you. I'm sorry, God, it's taken me this long. But it's clear now. Please forgive me. Come into my life. Thank you that you made it possible, Jesus, by going to that cross and taking my sin, my punishment on yourself. That I could walk in freedom and in a new life for all of eternity now. Thank you, Lord. You prayed that prayer to God and meant it. You became a child of God. Just thank him from your heart right now. New life has begun in you. The Holy Spirit has come to live in you. You have a relationship with the God who created you. And tell someone that you prayed that prayer so that they can encourage you in your new walk with the Lord. And for the rest of us, Lord, we just want to pour out our heart to you. You know it all. There's no shame and there's no guilt. There's probably some good, healthy conviction in this room and in my heart as well. So, Lord, we just come to you asking for your cleansing, your mercy and grace. Pour it out on us, Lord. We're broken vessels. Pour it out, Lord. Restore. 
Thank you that we're always welcome home and welcome back to you. Strengthen us, renew us, Lord. We want to have gladness and rejoicing and freedom again. Name whatever you need to before the Lord. Your heart to his. Have a complete confession so that you can have his complete healing. His complete love and restoration.